0: You have the power to say no in Christ, to cast it off in Him alone. See things by His perspective and His ways, and it will change the way you react. If you're focused on your Lord, you're focused on His larger will and understanding, then the things that happen, you're going to see them differently. Set your mind to things above, not the things above. earth.
1: Welcome to this Monday edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstead, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, today we'll continue our look at Colossians.
0: Yes, we will, Dave, and we're in the middle of a wonderful passage in which we're looking at how to put off the old man as believers, how to put off sin, and how to put on Christ. Well, would you turn your Bibles with us to Colossians chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 8
1: through 11. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, if you want to listen to today's broadcast again, just download our new free app from the Apple App Store. You'll find today's broadcast, archived broadcasts, as well as more about this ministry and our teacher, Pastor Greg Lundstedt. Now, let's join Greg for today's message.
0: But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to live according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So here, we're to stop these things and take them off like a filthy garment. It's an example. Now, if you missed it, this is not a suggestion. This isn't God suggesting we do this. It's actually an imperative command. We're to be doing this. And it's God's will for us to do so. So in addition to these sexual sins in verses 5 through 7, what are we specifically to do? Notice the list. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Paul gives no leeway for a specific pet sin or sympathy for a specific temptation. He firmly commands these Colossians and us to put them all aside, all, every one. Do not let them live. Cast them off like a filthy garment. And we'll see how to do that in a little bit. And notice he gives, I believe, two different groups of these sins. He gives the internal fleshly attitudes, anger, wrath, and malice, and then the external manifestations, slander, and abusive speech. So we're to lay off, kill off, first of all, what? Anger. We're all familiar with that, right? We live in an angry world. We've all been angry. People are angry. Don't get your food in time with the fast food to get angry. Someone cuts them off, they get angry. People get angry? Angry for things don't go their way. The term anger here is orge. It's from the Greek word. We all know what that means, right? We know what anger is. And we know that it comes in the context of our desires that are unfulfilled. We want something. We don't get it. We get angry. Let's see that in James 3. It's a settled heart condition of anger, and we're to set it aside. Galatians 5.20, it's a deed of the flesh. It's not of the Spirit. God isn't doing that. There's no place in the believer's life for anger, even when it's justified. We'll talk about this. Even when we momentarily get angry at sin and injustice. By the way, and you will, if you see evil, you see wicked things happen, it can make you angry. That's not sin. But we can't handle it. In James chapter 1, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. We need to get rid of it. We need to give it over to the Lord. Let him take care of it before the sun goes down. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And that word anger there is not the word orgy. It's par or the alongside anger. If you're even irritated by nighttime from that which you were angry earlier, you are then going to give Satan a place and do not give the devil an opportunity. Don't go to bed angry or irritated. Let the Lord take care of it. If it's a righteous anger, if it's unrighteous anger, then confess it. There's no room in the believer's life for anger in that context. We're to put it off. We're to see in the context of God's word and who God is, the circumstances that are angering us rightly, and we're to put it off and let him deal with it and trust him with it and go to him and rely on him and renew our hearts and minds as we'll say. You see, when we're not renewing our hearts and minds and we see God wrongly, we're going to get angry. You remember Jonah? Jonah got angry because God was saving sinners that he hated. Jonah got angry because God was compassionate. And Jonah's anger led to depression and almost tried to commit suicide. Chapter 4 of Jonah, you can look at that. Unresolved anger leads to harm. It leads to hatred. It leads to murder. Jesus said if you're angry with your brother, it's as good as you've murdered them in that context. Matthew chapter 5. So for believers, we should put it off. When someone says something we don't like, we gotta see it rightly. We'll see later on, we should be forgiving. If anyone has anything against anyone, we should put it aside. It doesn't mean we don't deal with things rightly in the body of Christ. It doesn't mean we just let sin go. But love, covers a multitude of sins. i got to let Christ take care of that. I'm in Him, and I'm going to trust Him. So as I'm tempted or if I've yielded, I confess it and I tear it off like a garment and I stop. Are you struggling with anger? Stop the struggle. Kill it off. Like an old, dirty, rotten, stinky coat, tear it off and throw it down by the power of the Holy Spirit. Say no to your flesh and say yes to the Lord. You can say no to that. You can consider yourselves dead to sin if you go to Christ. You have no power of saying no on your own. But if you go to Christ, you'd be set free. If the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. You're to put it off. Look at Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty one. You see, God's word should be renewing our minds and helping us understand that we've got to throw this stuff off. It's wrong. We used to live in it. But now don't be that way. When you get angry at somebody, you got to give it over to the Lord. Confess it if it's wrong, if it's righteous, give it over to the Lord. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be what? Put away from you. Don't hold on to it. Don't live in it. You know what? That takes humility. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to give it over to the Lord. Because we hold on to anger because someone did something to us or didn't do something to us that we wanted to. Or whatever it might be. We get irritated and we've got to give it over to the Lord. He says here, and be kind to one another. Here's what we should do. Tender-hearted, forgiving. Hey, they did something to you, forgive them. Forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. So then, we're to take off anger like a dirty garment and throw it away. Throw it down. Get rid of it. in The power of the Holy Spirit. And notice the next one. It says wrath. This is anger's wicked stepsister. The term here is thumos. And it speaks of an outburst of anger or a fit of rage. It's also a deed of the flesh. In Luke chapter 4, verse 28, we see that after the Lord Jesus shared the scriptures in the synagogue in Nazareth concerning him being the fulfillment of those scriptures, that we see that all the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with thumos. They were filled with rage. And they got up and cast him out of the city, and they wanted to kill him and throw him over a cliff. But Jesus passed through their midst. Think about this. You can call it road rage or road wrath, right? People get cut off, and it's like, boom, angry right away. And guess what? We get tempted too, don't we? He wouldn't be telling us to put it off if it's something we couldn't get tempted to do and yield to it. Put it off. It's wrath. You're in Christ. Your flesh screams for an outlet. But Christ has set you free. Be thinking about him. Be trusting in him. Be relying on him. It doesn't fit who you are. Throw it off like a dirty coat. Forgive him. Let it go. Again, Ephesians 4. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Stop by the power of the Holy Spirit. Renew your mind who you are in Christ and who he is, and allow him to deal with those circumstances or confess it, if you are seeing it wrongly, and allow his word to help you see it rightly, so that you will not respond wrongly. What's the next one we're to put off here? What's the next one? Malice. The term malice, kakaya, speaks of an evil disposition meant on doing harm. It obviously stems in the context of one's selfish desires. We understand it. When we don't get our way internally, we'll feel with desire to harm those we're tempted to be who thwarted our desires or pleasures. It's the internal fruit of anger and bitterness left unchecked. Remember Titus chapter 3, before we were saved, we were spending our life in malice. Little malice, big malice, it's how we used to live. But now, we are in Christ, and it doesn't fit us. Throw it off like a dirty garment, wicked, vile, stinky jacket, throw it off. Put it off, do not let it live. Choose by the power of the Holy Spirit to say no to those temptations, you know, no temptations come upon you, It's that which is common to man, but God is faithful, not you, not people, but God is faithful to provide a way of escape that you might endure it. Renew your mind with God's truth concerning who you are and who he is and his view of sin and the circumstances around you, and then allow his word to teach you how to respond, to be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God and Christ has forgiven you. You go back to, wow, you forgive me so much, Lord, I have no right to be angry at them. You renew your mind. And the Lord, you have a complete salvation. In him, we saw in chapter 2, you are complete. You don't need a system of rules. If you look up on the internet, anger management, the world's got all kinds of ways to deal with anger management. And it may subdue the external things, but it's not going to take care of it. We need the Lord to take care of us. He's the only one who can help us manage it properly by confessing or not entering into it. The God who made you is very capable of delivering you from these sins if you will go to him. He is faithful. You say, well, I don't do that. Well, we'll see. What's the next one? Slander. Here are some external manifestations. People are angry and upset. or slander people. Slander, the term here blasphemia, speaks of speaking against. It speaks in context of harmful, abusive speech against someone's reputation. It speaks of speaking injurously towards someone. Man, we see this all day long on the news, right? Certain people, the people are just injuring them left and right with their slander, right? It can refer to defaming or dishonoring someone's reputation, insulting, speaking evil. It's wicked, slanderous speech that is intended to injure, insult, or dishonor. It's translated malign actually in Titus chapter three, verse two. And we are commanded to malign no one as believers, right? Don't you dare slander one, don't you dare speak evil of anybody. Now I'm not saying we don't speak the truth. There are times where we share the truth about certain things. We might say, this certain politician is doing what's wrong here. I, I want to honor him. I don't agree with that, it's wrong. But I don't slander them by speaking evil of them in a way that's not true. We speak the truth in the context of love. We're not to malign anyone. We're not to speak injuriously of anyone. Throw that off like a garment. Don't do it. You have the power to say no in Christ, to cast it off in him alone. See things by his perspective and his ways, and it will change the way you react. If you're focused on your Lord, you're focused on his larger will and understanding, then the things that happen, you're going to see them differently. Set your mind to things above, not the things of earth. Notice the last one here. Abusive speech. It literally means filthy or obscene or dirty speech. Lay it aside. You know, if you've been saved as an adult, you know what that is. Every other word was a bad word at times. You know, at work, it's all like that. If you have, if you have a job in the world right now, you're going to hear it. Hear it in the movie. Well, you're going to hear it. But we as believers, we've been changed. We shouldn't be speaking that way. It shouldn't be that way. Put it aside. Don't let it come from your mouth. We're to pull it off, Ephesians 5.4. Then there must be no filthiness, silly talk, or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. Got to let God's word convict you. So then we're to metaphorically, in a sense, take these sins off like a dirty, vile, stinky garment and throw it to the ground because it doesn't fit who we are. And it's not by some list or some human being's power. It's by the power of Christ in us. Now we see here in these sins here one last time. We're going to read Ephesians four thirty one again. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you want, with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. A lot of these sins come from not forgiving. Now, if you're not capable of forgiving, you have got to examine yourself. The Lord shares this to Peter in Matthew chapter eighteen. We should be forgiving. We need to let things go. The word forgiving is to let it go. It doesn't mean we're doormats and we allow sin to reign all over the place. No. It means love covers them all, so We let it go. Now, there are certain times, certain places of Scripture we have to deal with sin. We see that. It's not being let go. But for us, we're to put this stuff aside. These things come from an unforgiving heart. Titus chapter 3. Let's turn there, actually. Titus chapter 3. Now, this is going to be a statement to speak of how we're to behave with the government and also with one another it's a reminder. Titus 3, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. Hey, we're to obey the government. We're to obey the rulers and authorities. Now, that not what they cost you to sin. That's no, you don't. Not speak of Jesus, no. But we're to obey. It is God's servant. We see that in Romans chapter 12. It is to punish evildoers. Okay? We're to submit and obey. And then we are to humbly pray If we want our government to change, we pray about it. We see Paul telling Timothy that he doesn't desire anybody to die in their sins. We see that. But we're to be praying for our leaders that we might be able to live a peaceful and quiet life, which is good and acceptable. We need to pray for him. He says to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, verse 2 of Titus 3, to malign no one. I read that earlier. To be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Boy, that would make life easy for the police officers in the millennium, right? Everyone's treating everyone nicely. He says here, for we also once were foolish ourselves. We were just like them. Disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of our God and Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. We were like that, but we've been saved. Don't act that way. Don't act that way. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. You can go down from our passage just a little bit. We're going to get to it, Lord willing, next time. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. Tear off those sins like a dirty garment and replace them with the character of Christ. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. And forgiving one another. And then notice this. Like I said, does anyone have a complaint with anyone? Well, the passage says here, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should. You. We're to put these things aside by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anger and all its evil relatives. Don't go there. Don't give in to it. Hopefully next time you're tempted to be angry or you fail, you'll be convicted and you'll confess and set it aside, trusting the Lord to help you deal with that circumstance His way rather than your way. Hopefully you do that. If you fail, confess. Saw that earlier. Some angry situation happened. The people confessed and they hugged each other and forgave. Praise the Lord. Confess. Present yourself to Christ. But death, sin to death, strip it off like a filthy garment. Now at this point, as we continue, notice in verses 9 to 11, we're given a powerful motivation to obey these commands. To not live a life that is contrary to who we are in Christ. Indeed, we're going to see we're to stop lying to one another or living a lie in contradiction to who we really are. And where are to put it off. Verse 9, Colossians 3. Do not lie to one another, since you have laid aside the old self and its evil practices and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. He begins with this statement, do not lie to one another. And we know in Scripture we're not to be lying. We know that in Revelation chapter 21 that there are no liars are going to be in heaven. They're not going to be in the new heavens, new earth. No liars. We know that Satan is the father of lies and a murderer. But we, by and large, as believers, we're not living a consistent, ongoing life of lying. So what's he talking about here? Some commentators say here that it's, he's just speaking of another list, thing on the list. Stop anger, this, this, and this, and lying. But as I look at this, is that the case? As I looked at the grammar of this, I think it weighs against that interpretation. You say, what do I mean? Well, first of all, the list of things that we just read in verse 8 are all in the aorist tense. What does that mean? They're all, stop it right away. Stop this thing. Boom, 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 boom. Stop it. Okay? Stop A, B, C, and D. Put it off. And if he wanted to add lying, he could just stop lying. He could just add it on the list. So why does he do this, inspired by the Spirit? You see, in verse 9, we have a new verb introduced in the present tense. Stop your continual habitual lying. Okay, that's interesting. You might even have in your notes, NASB, stop lying. Okay? Now, obviously, we're not to lie, but is that totally what he's saying here? I think he's introducing a new command based on what's going to come forth here. So what do I mean? Notice what he says. Literally, do not lie to one another or stop ongoing lying to one another. That's the body of Christ. Kind of interesting here. Do believers walk around lying to their brothers and sisters all the time? I don't know, I don't think outright they do. I think if they were, maybe they're not saved. So what's he talking about? You can literally say this, do not continue lying among one another. What does that mean? I believe he's saying when you do these things, especially in the midst of the body of Christ, figuratively speaking, you're living a lie. You're living a lie that's opposite of who you are to be. You have put us the old self and you put on the new. This is not who you are. And when you act this way and live this way, it is in total contradiction to who you really are. I think that's possibly what's being said here. So he's saying, stop it. Stop doing that. By the power of Christ, renew your mind. And as we'll see, stop these sins by taking them off like a jacket. Satan wants you to think, oh, you're bad. You can't get out of it. No way. It's, you can't do it. You can put it off in Christ. Just like a jacket. So why would we put these things off? I think it's supported here. What I just mentioned I think is supported. Certainly we don't lie. We should stop that, absolutely. But I think it's supported by the context. Look at this. Do not lie to one another or stop lying to one another. Don't be hypocrites. Don't be silly or not. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. I think the context makes it seem that that's what it is. Not for sure, but I think that's it. So now it's important to note this term, since you laid aside the old self, and verse 10, have put on the new self, they're both aorist participles. What does that mean? Completed action. It's happened. It's a done deal. That's what that means. If you've died with Christ, your old man is dead, and you've been laid aside, and you've been raised with Christ, you become a new creation, don't live a lie. It doesn't match who you are to be an angry, wrathful, bitter, slanderous person. It doesn't match. Let's throw it off like a garment when you're tempted. We're going to be tempted, by the way. Sorry, I'm not tempted. Well, guess what's coming? We're tempted. So here, positionally speaking, in Christ, our old man. Now, this says the old self here, but it says old anthropos. It's the old man. It's a terminology Paul uses to help us understand something. You see, positionally speaking, when we, before we were saved, we were in Adam, Our old man was sinful and a sinner. And bound in sin, we see that that brings about death, leads to death. But in Christ, grace reigns to eternal life. You see, our old man, when we believed in Jesus, was crucified with Christ. We have in position died to sin, and we are now raised in newness of life in Christ. That's the argument he's going to make. Romans chapter 6, and let's go there or I'll read it for you, Romans chapter 6. And this is the argument he's making here. Romans 6, 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? Because, wow, God's grace with sin increase. Should we just keep sinning up? May you never think that way. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Romans 6, 2, now verse 3. Or do you not know, do you not know something that... All of us who have been baptized into Christ, placed into, identified with, have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead with the glory of the Father, so too we might walk into this alive.
1: If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free, 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, as we wrap up this broadcast, what's our takeaway?
0: Well, Dave, our takeaway is simply this. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to stop living a lie. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, as we've seen, if we are living in contradiction to our new nature in Christ, we're living a lie. You see, we should be renewing our minds and putting off the old man and putting on Christ. Now, we're not done with this wonderful passage, which really shows us how to do so. So make plans to join us tomorrow for our next edition of
1: Equipping the Saints. As we close today's broadcast, here's an important message from our teacher, Greg Lundstedt. Hi, this
0: is Greg Lundstedt, and it is my great privilege to study and teach the Word of God and to share it with you each day on this radio station. And as you listen, I want to ask you this question. Has Equipping the Saints been a blessing to you? If so, would you prayerfully consider coming alongside us financially? You see, your financial partnership with us is so appreciated. So on behalf of the team here at Equipping the Saints, we want to praise our
1: Lord and thank you for your prayers and financial support. Well, thanks, Greg. Now to partner with us, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. Or if you prefer to send a gift online, our web address is etsradio.org. Well, we hope you make plans to join us again right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints.